Gregoire en Dan Beesten is slim genoeg om beter te geweten. To episode 95 of Smart Life Show Better, a podcast of science, comedy, and ignorance. I'm Gregoire. And I'm Dan Beeston. This week, I am going to help you drive friendly. And I'm going to explain how the baboons might soon take over the world. Then Greg sends me back in time to Germany, 1920. And I'm going to talk about how dinosaurs might have walked on their fingertips. But before we get to that, what the what was the gibberish? What was the what was the was Swedish chef nonsense at the beginning of the podcast? <laughs> that was in Afrikaans, my friend, an Afrikaner, uh, which is part of my family heritage. My father's side is Afrikaans, so we managed to get someone to say Gregoire and Dan Beeson are smart enough to do better in Afrikaans. That is terrifying. <laughs> so if I hear someone speaking Afrikaans, mm. what's what's the most sensible course of action? Is to is to smile and be polite to them like every other human being. Yeah, but is there is there a response to someone being p- Gregoire and Dan Beeson? No, uh, no, not, there's no. not a response. I, oh, to that. are you asking if I speak Afrikaans? If someone said uh, hello in Afrikaans, <laughs> yes. What, what? How is? How do I politely? How do I engage with someone? I don't ha- speak Afrikaans at all. So moving on. <laughs> I can swear in Afrikaans because I've listened to my dad. Uh, <laughs> other than that, no idea. Yeah. It's the third Sunday of the month. That means we're doing the podcast, I guess. I had to say. Yes. Yeah, there's a podcast. <laughs> yes. Third Sunday of June. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that means? It's it's the it's... first week of our sixth year what? of Smart Enough to Know Better. It doesn't seem less, more than a year ago we were talking about going into the fifth year. <laughs> This is not a maths podcast, <laughs> obviously. That's very exciting. We're going into our sixth year now. Oh, my goodness. goodness. me. And we've hit the heights. We're on the radio. Radio. The four wow. Now we're four wow stars. And Yes. <laughs> yes. We're part of their uh, cavalcade. Cavalcade of four wow stars. And we, uh, we reach around the world. We talk to people everywhere. We meet an interesting people. Now when people get a smarter and a better podcast interview Invitation. They don't just throw it in the electronic bin. <laughs> they actually chat to us first. They, we, people, that's very exciting. Very exciting. And you, gentle listener, it's all because of you. So thank you very much. So and, what, and Dan as well, of course. Oh yeah, you helped. No, I, you, you helped. I, I did. I did my part. <laughs> I, look, I can only. I can only say that I did my part. That's right. That's right. Admittedly, that's about eighty-five percent of all the work. But I did a, my part. That's true. It, it, but it's, it's a very unimportant eighty-five percent. This week, I read an article all about. Nuclear weapons used in a, in a non-violent kind of way. Instead of using it as weapons, how could we use nuclear weapons? And it's from Cracked, which I get So all... for, like, as just general day-to-day... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah ironing. Like, yeah, yeah. Cooking your eggs. Yeah. That sort of stuff. And I, it's from Cracked, which I get all my <laughs> knowledge from. So Cracked or Wikipedia. And... You let off a little kitchen kitchen device. Yeah, just kitchen cooking you. everything at kitchen the same you. time. That's including your brain. It'd be good. Uh, <laughs> oh, my spleen! I need that for something. <laughs> it's very important. Scooching out... High oxygenated blood, I think he remembers something. Anyway, so these nuclear weapons. I want, I want the- phosphor spaghetti. <laughs> My spaghetti glows in the dark. Thanks, Mum. Death. <laughs> so this article said that one of the things they could use a nuclear weapon for, and I've been thinking about kind of recently, the last 20, 30 years, was to disrupt weather patterns, mainly hurricanes, or cyclones, hurricanes, and big whirling masses of air. Their idea was to take a low kiloton weapon and put it in the center of the hurricane and blow it up. 
that would disrupt the air. Right in the eye. Right in the eye. That's right. So I was like, well, sounds insane. But then I realized that we have a tamed meteorologist on staff. Well, tame is a tame's a broad call. Oh, he's he's partially right. domesticated. De- Dean, Dean, and, Dean and humanity has a symbiotic relationship. <laughs> they both need each other? That's they, very good. Yeah. That's very nice. Yeah. So Dean Narrowmore, who's been a friend of the show, Dean Narrow, been on twice. We really like Dean. He knows this stuff. So I sent him a question about what would happen if you put a, a low-yield nuclear weapon inside a hurricane? Would it disrupt it? What did he have to say, Dan? He came good. Oh, he came good? Yeah. Although, I think he may have been asked this question in the past. Oh, dear. Yes. He said, (sighs) Hi, Dan. Yes, that question is asked almost every hurricane season by the USA. (laughs) It would cause more harm than good. Mm. And best case, a slight weakening before developing again. Hurricanes. Very organised storm systems, hundreds of kilometres across. And as mentioned in the article above by Jack W. Reed, have the power of many nukes, so it wouldn't have an effect at all. His calculations were a bit off as well. Cheers, Dean. There we go. We'll put a link into the show notes for that article so you can have a read of that yourself. So it's not going to help. It's not going to do anything at all. It won't disrupt the hurricane. It it would just put a lot of radioactive material all over everything. Oh, it looked pretty. It it would look I love the idea that every year storms come up. It's like, bring, bring, hello, uh, USA Meteorology Service. Hi, it's the Pentagon. We'd like to fire a nuke into a storm. (laughs) We've talked about this, General. Oh, come on. One nuke. Just one little nuke. Come on. We've got a stockpile of them. They're just... No. We're going to name the hurricane Zachariah. Again? As those who know Gregoire, you would know that basically I don't like baboons. In What's fact, wrong with baboons? I don't like baboons. They're, They're dog, great. They're dog monkeys. No, dog monkeys. You love awful. dogs. I love dogs. Yeah. I love dogs. Yeah. I love monkeys. Do you? I love monkeys. I love things. No, no. Monkeys are great. Apes are great. Dogs are great. Dog monkeys? No, 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 no. Come on. No, no big, great big asses on them. Is yes, the and giant them? teeth and attitudes. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and, all the better for smiling with. No, I think, no, uh, no. All the better for tearing lumps of you off. And it's, this happened. Well, it's a multi-use jaw. I mean, this yeah. happened to my grandfather. So it's a your oh, grandfather bit someone. <laughs> my grandfather was attacked by a baboon, and, and I think it's passed down genetically. We have a lot of fear. And it's, it's a long story. Get me drunk, and I'll tell you it one day. I'm sure. So buy me drinks, and I'll tell you the great story but don't show you your big red ass no, no otherwise i will I go into an attack mode it's, it's, it's unfriendly <laughs> so i don't like them and the whole war clan doesn't like me we don't like baboons we can some... just imagine you're putting up effigies on the like, lord ah, stuff. Ah, ah, danger baboons no baboons and like a big yeah. red cross through the sign no baboons till brooklyn <laughs> and now it seems my family's worst nightmare is coming true they have merged with robots. That's a different nightmare, and mine specifically, not the whole family. Right. This is baboon-related. In Ethiopian grasslands in East Africa, there is a type of baboon, a small type of baboon, called a galata monkey. A and small baboon? That like sounds a, good already. That's it. No. Well, I'm glad this one is like a stomp the heads in. But I bet, they, I bet you couldn't. I bet you couldn't. I bet they'd I really, 
really you, you could name one. <laughs> yes. Yes. Now you understand what I'm trying to say. starting to come around. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit scary. So these baboons, these galata monkeys, actually live on the grasslands and they hang out in the grasslands and doing their little thing. And there's lots of them. There's six, seven hundred in this grassland area. Different uh, herds, pods, murders. A murder um, of baboons. A, a, a mugging of baboons. A, 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 a balloon a, of baboons. A wastab of baboons. All oh, right. A, 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 a balloon of baboons. I like that. These baboons hang out doing their little baboon thing, living the baboon lives, which are horrible and terrible and should be stopped. But amongst these baboons, the scientists, which has the great name of Venkataraman and his colleagues, they, Ooh, Ven, that's a that's that, that guy sounds like a scientist in the same way that Indiana Jones sounds yes, like an archaeology watch, teacher. Watch out, it's Venkataraman. Mm, yes, it's back Ven, off, man. I'm a scientist. Venkataraman. Yes. I shoot a lot of baboons yes. for nature. <laughs> So he noticed that these baboons had amongst them, moving amongst them, were wolves, packs of wolves. And you go, what's bad? You know, packs of wolves. And they, they, they watched these baboons, and they watched the wolves and see how they interacted. And what they noticed was really strange. These wolves did not attack the baboons. They didn't take the young. Which they was, know, suckers. Well, that, maybe they were like, whoa, that's a baboon. And you probably wouldn't want to fight a baboon, even if you're, cause you're, you're a dog or you're a wolf and you've got a dog monkey. Yeah. And, and there's packs of the buggers and there's packs of you. It's, it's all going to be like West Side Story. You're in a lot of trouble in a click fight if you don't have opposable thumbs. <laughs> and, so yes, in East Grassland Story. Anyway, the point is these wolves hunt and they're not hunting baboons. They're hunting rodents. And the rodents run around and they get eaten by the wolves. And what they noticed is they didn't, the wolves did not attack the baboons. They only attacked the rodents. So they watched these wolves when the baboons weren't there, the rodents were eaten about 25% of the time. But when the baboons were there, the rodents were eaten by the wolves about 67% of the time. Oh, that's good. That's a big raise, yes. So they, they're saying, is this some kind of domestication? This is their idea. Now, they don't think it's purposeful. They don't think that they're, the baboons are actually domesticating wolves in the way that like, we sit down. But the idea, of course, is that humans didn't actually domesticate wolves. We didn't go, we need an animal to protect our field. They, you just throw the food behind you and mm. the wolf turns up and it just gets used to you because yeah. it's, it's worning. It's like a symbiotic relationship. Mm-hmm. They have more eyes looking for predators like themselves i guess and so and the baboons are kind of working as like this living corral basically yeah and scaring the, the rats but also now you have wolves running around which probably keep other predators at bay that might have a go like leopards and things that might have a go i don't know if there are leopards in ethiopian grassland being drawn to say here mm-hmm. some sort of predator maybe it keeps them away they're not terribly sure they don't think that they're communicating or trying to work it out but i think that we are not far off very soon in a main street near you, seeing baboons riding wolves. That's my scientific hypothesis, and I think we're all doomed. Doomed! Or the other way around, wolves riding mandrels. Even worse! Even I can't even deal with that horror. Some sort of wolf on the back. That'd be like a baboon. And extra... oh, imagine if they bred. Imagine the creature, the mutated. The, the wolf and the baboon had a baby. Then it'd just be a dog-dog dog, dog monkey. Oh, you like them? No, I don't. I don't like any of this. Oh, yeah. No, very... Sorry, yeah, it's yeah. A... It was a dog monkey dog. Dog. A... Yeah, dog... yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm very confused. Anyway, so this is really interesting. They're saying maybe this is domestication for the wolves and maybe they get a form of a relationship. So if humans suddenly drop dead right now, hit the dirt, maybe that would be something that would form out from it, some sort of symbiotic thing, a domestication. Or maybe just a meat tool. Like a, the... That's what I call you all the time. Please stop that.
smart enough to know better tech support. This is Dan. How can I help? Oh, hi, Dan. My quantum computer has stopped working. There's an error message. 012358. 0112358? Oh, that's a collapsed waveform error. Can you fix it? Have you tried turning it off and on at the same time? If I wanted to have a small footprint on the world... With so far as my transport goes, <laughs> what would I choose? Uh, electric car. Electric car? Electric cars. Didn't go for a push bike first or? That's a good point. A push bike. Yeah. Yes, this all go push bike. Walking? Walking? No, you because you're a rev head, are you? <laughs> you just want to burn up the roads. I do, I do. I, I want to I want to go all mad max on the planet. So you want... gasoline. So an electric car? Yes, electric car. I definitely pick electric car. Do you have a favorite electric car? Uh, yes. Yeah. I'm not gonna say it. Well I know you want me to say it. No, and you're trapping me. You're, you're you're setting up a nice snare so I can walk right into it. No, pop pop your head through this little. No, it's just a, it's just a bit of rope. Oh, fine, it's just a bit of rope. Fine, fine. Tesla, the yoink, Tesla. Yoink! Ah, you bastard! You're oh. in my trap. Oh. I love Tesla. You can't say anything bad about Tesla. It's a wonderful car. He's a wonderful man. He's very handsome. Elon Musk, I love you. You'll also be pleased to know. Yes. That compared to a VW diesel. Yes. It's. <gasps> Better for the environment. Oh I assume so. By a fraction. Right. A okay. fraction of a tiny fraction. And is that because of the way we make electricity? So if we, if, if I make electricity by wind power, it would be better, but it's because we burn coal. Is that right? That's right. Okay. Because cool. making electricity isn't carbon free. No, no. The, yeah. Not in Queensland. Yeah. And I, I, actually, I was going to ask a question. Is the making of a Tesla S or any Tesla car, I wonder how much carbon goes into making that making car. it yeah yeah compared to a golf was it yeah. Diesel golf yeah or vw diesel golf right yeah Much well more it's probably less for a tesla because there are fewer parts mm, yeah that could be it but it's a much heavier car and you talk about is it yeah the, the tesla s is a big vehicle where the golf is a tiny it's vehicle. a small car yes so that's true look we don't know we're, we're not too sure but we're talking about the fuel and, and making how it moves yes yeah okay got it T- the tesla a fraction Better for the environment than a VW Golf. Yay, cool. Excellent. Then I my choices are fine. Oh, unless you yeah. decide to travel interstate. Which I do. Yes. I, in Australia, all the states. I love all the states. Yeah. All great. Even the territories. Well, you might have a bit of problem when you hit Victoria. What? Yes. Because in Queensland, for every kilometre that you drive, you're creating 0.17 kilograms of CO2 emissions. Right. Okay. Yes. Uh, if you were to in drive the Tesla in the Tesla, right? Okay, yes. In the VW Golf Diesel, mm-hmm. you'd be making 0. 0.175. <laughs> That's very, just very, so very small, a tiny, tiny amount. But you will look much cooler in your Tesla S. Oh, I don't know, much cooler. I don't know. VW Golf's a nice car. No, I'd no, love no. to drive a VW no, Golf. I'm sure, but if someone said you can have a VW Golf or you could diesel or you could have a one's a quarter of a million dollar car. And one is what a forty thousand dollar car? Yeah, it's a big. I know which one I'd pick. I guess. Well, I quite like the Golf. Oh, fine. It's good. Well, when and if I was driving around in Victoria, yes, it would be less damaging to the environment. No rubbish by quite a substantial amount. Really? What? If I was driving a Tesla in Tasmania, Mm -hmm. it would only create point zero four kilograms of CO2 for every kilometre. Wow. So that's like wow. less than a quarter and in Queensland. Is that because they produce electricity differently in Tasmania? Hydroelectric. Oh, ah, okay. Right. All from the river. Yes, right. The electricity in 
Tasmania is great. Mm-hmm. In Victoria, they burn a lot of brown coal. Oh dear, and that's not good. No, it's quite dirty, and it's a it's a messy business. It's not. It's and there's a lot of radioactivity. In it. Yeah, that's the part that they never seem to mention. And I'm a bit. I'm not, that sounds a bit scaremongery. But you go, no, it's a rock underground. There are radioactive elements, and when you burn it, they don't burn. They just get shoved in the atmosphere. They've actually shown that there is a higher, slightly tiny, slightly tiny, slightly tiny uh, increase of background radiation in the in the in the plumes and the in the mm. uh, that weirds me out. But anyway, yeah. we don't mention that. Oh, I don't tell you that. No, they say coal's great, mm. and that wind farms are unsightly and, and, and terrifying, loud and, 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 and kill and, birds and spook our prime minister when he's riding. Not like, not <laughs> like pollution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Anyway, oh, dear. So we, so we, we'll this pull is back. Not, this we'll is not back. a political no, podcast. We never have been. Okay. We love everyone individually. Okay. So, at any rate, you're driving around Victoria mm. instead of pumping out 0.17 kilos yes. per kilometer. You're pumping out 0.25. Holy crap. So that's a 0.8 of a kilogram more yeah. per kilometre. That's two Tasmanias. That's amazing. That's that's awful. So your Tesla it's, is pointless yeah. down there then. Yeah. So if your Tesla is mm. driving around in Victoria mm. pumping out 0.25 mm. kilos. Well, yeah. It had to make that much. I know yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not pumping it out. Yeah. yeah. I know what you mean. It, oh, overall, yeah. 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 You may as well add in just one more Tasmania more. Yeah. Take it up to 0.29. Mm. And you're driving around a Holden V6. No way! Like it's basically a Holden V6. What? In order to in order to get the Holden oh. V6 to start, you've got to put a couple of harp seals in the tank. <laughs> <laughs> That's awful. That's really scary. Yeah. So depending on the state, I'm assuming in America it'd be exactly the same, or in in Europe it'd be the same. Like Germany, Germany gets lots and lots of electricity from wind turbines and things like that. Mm. So it must be it would be better for them to use a Tesla yep. than in somewhere that goes we must burn lots of coal or, yep. or nuclear power. I wonder, wonder what that's like. But in the future, there's going to be a lot more renewable energy. The, we're well, not in Australia, there won't be. Well, not political. Not political. Look, we're, we're, but, <laughs> yeah, there's. There are impediments. Uh, mm. There are impediments. Yes. But, uh, is, that hey, you, is that what you're calling them? <laughs> the, uh, the, the economy will work. We'll yes. Go gangbusters for another couple of years. That'll Free market. Free market. Yeah. That's what we need. Uh, yeah. not, it's not a political podcast. Keep those foreigners not a, out. Not a, not a political podcast. Okay. So yeah. No. So, uh, but yes, I was thinking about fuel consumption. Mm. I Something occurred to me that I don't know how a major part of my car works. Uh, you, Dan. You're very complicated. Look, I know. You're very complicated. Well, that's sweet of you to say. But no, I'm pretty simple. <laughs> I think the listeners would agree. <laughs> Give me a couple of good cock jokes, and I'm I'm happy. Yay! I'm happy as Larry. That's very good. Try again. Part of the car, the gearbox. That's not the gearbox. That's, That's not the gearbox. It is complicated. It's kind of complicated yes. thing. Oh. I know how that works. Oddly enough. Oh right. Yeah. The taking the... one apart. They didn't put it back together, but I took it apart. <laughs> it wasn't yours. God knows who it was. Uh, the turbo system. Not the turbo system. The, 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 the engine. The petrol gauge. <laughs> Right. What? Because I, I don't want to run out of fuel. No, 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 that's very true. Okay. So I was like, how does the petrol gauge work? Because I've got this this, okay. this mental model yes. of the of how the petrol gauge works, and yep. it's very basic. I, I'm going to say that there's a, there's a little float, like a, there's a little there's a little gnome, and he's kind of like, like a fishing sinker. And, and, a little, yeah, and he's like it's like a fishing rod, and he's got a, and as it goes up, as it goes down, sorry, then he goes, oh, my petrol's running out, and he like he writes it on a board and sends it to the front of the car. That's my plan. That's how it worked in Waterworld yeah. with, <laughs> with uh, Kevin Costner. <laughs> I think you'll find it's surprisingly more technical oh, than okay. that. Oh, really? Okay. okay. I, I think so, yes. So, in the gas tank of the car, yes. there's a little ball <laughs> <laughs> that sits on top of the petrol. 
gets on a little strut. <laughs> and as the petrol fills up, the little ball floats the top and the strut sort of moves up the top. Yeah, you can know. Yeah. <laughs> and then when the petrol gets all used up, the strut moves back down. And the right. distance that the strut is away from the wall or the other strut that's in there yep. changes the amount of resistance. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, so electrical resistance. Changes the current then. Changes the current. Okay. This is just like a cistern in a toilet. Yes. When it f- <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. That's bizarre. That's really so. Okay, that's really simple. That's it really... is very simple, but yep. then comes the complex bit. Uh huh. Is how it interacts with the needle on the dashboard. Right. Okay. So I've got a mental model for you. Okay. Okay. You've got a seesaw. Mm-hmm. On the down end of the seesaw, mm-hmm. you have a rope. Okay. The rope is attached to the top of a flagpole. Right. And it's taut. Okay. Okay. And the flagpole is bending towards. The, in the direction, all by itself. It's, it's sort of right. leaning over towards it. Yes. Now, the flagpole is made out of a bimetallic strip. So on one side of the of the metal, there's metal that when it heats up, it expands quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And on the other side is metal that doesn't expand very much at all. Oh. So when you heat it up, one side gets bigger than the other and it sort of bends in the other well, direction. That's the same way that like thermostats work and that sort of stuff. They use bimetallic strips. Oh, really? So, they, so when things, something heats, you, know, you might have a, uh, something that switches off when it gets to a certain temperature. Yeah. And that's because once it heats up too much, it, it, it's bending so much, it bends itself off the contact point and electricity can't flow between Oh, them. that's clever. So it's like the bimetallic strips are used in lots of things cool. around the house. Don't touch them. <laughs> Don't touch them. They'll kill you. Oh, right. Because electricity's flying through them. That and makes they, sense. Heat up. Heats yeah. it up. Yeah. <laughs> so in this case, the electricity runs through it and heats it up, and it sort of pull the flagpole pulls away from the seesaw, and, yep. it, and it lifts up the one downside uh, of the seesaw. Yep. And the other side of the seesaw, that's your needle. And so, it, and it points. So as it gets lifted up, it's pointing down to empty, and it's all it's empty. As it gets, yeah. Yep. All right, we'll do it that way. Okay. So. That's all well and good. I can see that. That's exciting. But my car is much nicer than that. I don't have a needle like a like a peasant. No. I have a LED. You have a man in the passenger seat going, uh, you're at half, that's sir. That's a, I would buy some more petrol. Exactly. Jeeves is very nice to me. You'd like me to go out, pop out, and fill it up again. I promise I won't do any donuts this time, sir. <laughs> this time. But I've got an LED light that just drops down and it changes. Like, That's honestly. true. So, That's true. So my, mine must be very different. I have I have a very old style with the mm. with the, the the sinker in the, the float in the back <laughs> yes. and the rod. Yes, yes. Okay, you've got a, very, a your car is about eight times more expensive that, than mine. That, that's right. And probably it's, and it's much from the future. At this point, it's from the future. It's amazing and glossy. Uh, in your <laughs> yes. gas tank, oh yes, uh, you've got a small float on a strut. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so it's the same technology. It's the same technology. It works. So, but so, works how, gangbusters. so why is the LED? Is that different or is that? Now, that's the trick because yep. it's the same thing with the the resistance comes through it, mm-hmm. but the resistance actually gets fed into a computer. Oh, and the course. computer go, oh, that's full and that's empty. But yeah. gas tanks are gas tanks? Gas tanks. Gas tanks. Uh, <laughs> petrol tanks. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Are not like a simple. You're just trying to make our American listeners feel yeah. better about themselves. Gas tanks That's in right. your cars that drive at 50 miles per hour. That's mileage. How quaint. Yeah, quaint. Mileage. All right. So the, the the fuel tank is not like a cylinder. It's not like a perfect okay. shape in the car because mm. it's got a sort of mold to the rest of the car. Mm. So you might have like an axle running past the back of it that sort of puts a blob right. into your tank. So it's an irregular shape. It's an irregular shape. So there's less petrol in the bottom than there is in the top, mm. which means that once it gets to that halfway point, it'll start to run out faster, which means your little 
your little ball will drop faster. Oh. So sometimes you're in the car and you're like, well, I know that if it's if the needle's on half, it means I've probably got just over a quarter of a tank left. Yes. And That's th- how it is in my car. It suddenly starts dropping much, much faster. Yeah. Aha. Uh-huh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Stupid, yep. stupid thing. But mine anyway, doesn't. Mine yours, definitely, no, mine definitely doesn't. Yours doesn't because you. what they've done is they've me, tinkered yeah. with the curve. Mm. So somewhere in the computer it goes... My little float's halfway down, mm. but your computer goes, oh, well, then that means you've used up three quarters of your stuff. It, it does uh, the maths for you. I, yes, okay. And it, it sorts it out. It all out. Uh, that would be using calculus. That's what calculus, areas under curves and changing volumes uh, is all parts of calculus. No. Oh, bum. No. Oh, my God, I use calculus. It, it, there isn't a predictive way in this case. Really? It, well, I mean, you could. You could get the exact form and stuff. Yeah. But what they do is they actually measure it. Yeah. And they and then they, they measure the amount of fluid. And they calibrate it. And they calibrate That's it. That's boring. Yeah. Because you, you have an input. Because no, Sorry, the outputs. There's no input. And you'd have a... Oh, you could do it. Damn it. Oh, you could, you could do complicate it, but... it and add calculus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More, we need more calculus. You don't have to calibrate it. Then you could just go, I could pull out my gas tank and I could put another gas tank back in and it would be a different shape. And the computer would just go, well, I can work that out. I've, I've got the calculus. I can do this. It's all uh, good. It's just ah, well, not maybe, forward thinking. Maybe car designers just don't like maths. <laughs> the thing is, what happens is when it gets to the bottom, yes. there's still quite a bit of petrol left. Right. Even though your car is saying, you're out of fuel. Mm. You're out of fuel. But what happens is that the the little sinker, sinker, the float, yes, like lands on the bottom of the tank. Mm. But that's as far as it goes. Like it's limited by the edge of the tank because it's 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 a round thing. It's going to sit on the bottom. Yeah, there'll still be, there'll still be a couple of centimeters of fuel on the bottom of the yeah. tank. Right. Yes. And the same thing when you fill it up. You fill it up, and it gets almost to the top, and the float hits the top. Yes. And then you keep filling, and the float can't go any further. And so the float goes under the surface because the surface is now higher than the float. Yeah, which ah. means which is why. Yeah, when you when you fill up your car, you can drive for like a hundred k, and mm. the needle doesn't move. But also, why you can drive on fumes, mm. you're actually driving on about ten liters of fuel, right? Depending on how big your car Most is. Most cars will actually tell you once you reach once you're getting to the point of running out of fuel, you have this many kilometers left. You have got twenty k's left. Like get you know they actually say that in, in the manual. Yeah, get you have this much fuel. Get to there, so you, you'll be okay. Don't so, freak out. It's probably it's trying that out. Like it's probably guessing. Well, mine mine actually has a thing where it uh, where it, the light comes on, the fuel gauge comes on. Like it gets very close to empty, the fuel gauge comes on, and then when the fuel gauge is really empty, it starts flashing a light. I can like whoa whoa. I know I put this light on. Now I'm flashing this light here. This is the I'm not messing around. Like, <laughs> and then you got to, you got like twenty k's to get somewhere at that point. So. Uh, my uh, my whole seventy six Volvo. It used to do the same thing, mm-hmm. which is surprising tech for mm. 1976. Mm. What it would do, rather than flashing on and off, the uh, the entire car would go. Allow me to read back Exhibit O. Yes, sir. Here a quack, there a quack. Yes, sir. Everywhere a quack, quack. Are these your words, Mr. MacDonald? That is true, sir. Are you aware what the current state requirements on battery farm spacing is? I'm not sure I understand. Each animal must have at least 21 centimetres by 29 centimetres. And yet, as you say, everywhere... A quack, quack. I, um, I... If there uh, is I, a uh, quack, quack everywhere, it must logically follow 
that there is a duck, duck everywhere. Crammed in. Pressed together. I, I didn't mean Let to... Let us over. return to exhibit I. Did you not also state... Oh, no. Here an oink. There an oink. Oh, please. Oh, are you an old man? Everywhere an oink, oink. Porcine stalls require a much larger area legally to provide ethical treatment. <laughs> and yet again, everywhere... An oink oink. <laughs> Ducks and pigs pressed in against each other in a depraved farming construct that prioritises profits over decency. And don't forget about the cows that we discussed earlier. Jury members, regard these three crucial pieces of evidence. Exhibit E. Exhibit I. Exhibit E, ladies and gentlemen. Exhibit I. Exhibit O. <laughs> no further questions. <laughs> 250 million years or so ago. Yeah. The world. That seems a while. That seems it is a while. Yes. 250 million. Why is it, that's, is it, hang on, is that, that's ages. The world. We've got animals that have never been seen before that would rise and become the, the dominant species. That's the only time they've been seen is before. Well, that's true. They're yes. not going to get seen later, Greg. Well, they might be. Jurassic Park, you might, we might. Oh, don't, oh, don't la, get my hopes la, up. La, la. Anyway, dinosaurs started to appear on planet Earth. The idea now is they were, uh, they shared a common ancestor with reptiles. Yep. And that they were, that they were different. They, they weren't, they weren't reptiles. They're something different. Nah. Something different again. More feathers can, than a reptile. Can you please? Maybe not that time. Maybe no, they did. not in the Triassic. We don't know. Oh, look. We're, we've, we've, we're not we're, sure. we've got very little evidence to we suggest that there were feathers back then. But I'm not, I wasn't doing. I wasn't bringing up to feather you or upset you with feathers. That, that's fine. Oh, very kind of you. Thank like, you. Can you describe? Yes. The first dinosaurs. Yes. Just, just give me a rough yes. outline of what a dinosaur looked. The first ones, roughly, what they looked like. A thousand feet tall, <laughs> with teeth lined along their body. <laughs> um, the original ones were kind of like a big gecko, weren't they? Like right. They were basically a big gecko that crawled out of swamps almost. This, this, Great so, big gecko. Uh, that's absolutely wrong. Flat. Absolutely what? wrong. What? Absolutely wrong. Oh, shoot. That's just why I was surprised too. Now, according to this article I found, dinosaurs were not quadrupeds. Dinosaurs were bipeds. What? Dinosaurs walked on two legs to begin with, like not a four legs. Lizard? No, no, they, they, no, they were, they were, they were like theropods. They, they were two-legged animals that wandered around with small forearms. They weren't four-legged animals that became two-legged animals. Oh wow! They were two-legged animals that became four-legged animals. Jiminy! That's uh, it, I'd never thought of it before. I was like, oh, so. Dinosaurs had two legs, but we—I know there's like Stegosaurus and they're like like Brachiosaurus, yep. and there's all these four-legged things. They didn't evolve separately. There wasn't two lines. They all came from the one two-legged creature. Well, perhaps yeah. the first body shape was two-legged. So where the hell did these quadrupeds come from? So that seems really weird. Like just lazy ones. Well, that's well. They're, they're, it's just, just going to have a lie down. Oh, this is actually a bit easier. I might just <laughs> crawl around a bit. So it's a change of body shape. Because you know, um, uh, dinosaurs all had a really thick Australian well, accent. They, they were Australian. Well, the, the um, oh, the, bloody hell, the Mutaburosaurus did. Sheila, sit on those. Can eggs earlier? What the so, f***? Jesus <laughs> Christ. Struth. Dino struth. Anyway, 
Dynamite. Ow, ow, I hurt myself with that pun. I'm not not even, I couldn't, my brain... I'm not even. I'm not even. So biologist Joel Hudson and geologist Kelda Hudson were comparing the forelimbs of these two-legged dinosaurs as they slowly became four-legged dinosaurs. And because they were trying to work out, did they lean forwards and put their hands directly on the ground? Or did they lean back and walk on their backs (laughs) until they evolved their backs into fronts? Maybe, maybe they did. Makes the Stegosaurus's spines look a bit sort of sexual, doesn't it? I'm, I can't, I'm not even. I can't. I'm not. I'm, I'm not playing. So the, they're, they're <laughs> saying that originally there were dinosaurs that are in the fossils. So they're looking at sort of alligator ancestors and that sort of stuff. So they looked at the fallen mechanics of alligators with fossils, and they sort of said, like, which side? Um, so they looked at. <laughs> I said again. They compared the forearm mechanics of alligators with fossils from Postosuchus, a relative of early dinosaurs and an ancestor of alligators and crocodiles, to learn about joint mobility. And they, what they worked out was these animals would have actually walked on their basically their fingertips to begin with. So they would have yeah. reached down with their fingertips and walked on fingertips to steady themselves. So their arms basically became this longer arm leg and in the end became legs themselves. So horses run around on the ends of their fingers, don't they? They walk on their toes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Their ankles are further up. Great apes, they walk around on their knuckles, they don't knuckle, they? They knuckle around, true, yes. So you're telling me that dinosaurs started to knuckle around and then they became feet? Yes, yeah, that's, that's, they, they, yeah. they're not made the same, they think maybe fingertip, fingertipping around more so than the knuckling around. But so some alligators will actually, if they're running really fast, they'll run on their fingertips. They'll, oh, wow. they'll push themselves up and run on their fingertips to go get the high speed. And they discovered, they think anyway, with these matching to fossils, so looking at the ability on bone on bone specimens to hyperextend match that of the fossils, so of the alligators, I should say, originally. So they think that actually these things started to walk on their fingertips. So that's what they were doing. So dinosaurs, they think, made the transition from bipedalism, uh, walked in the same way. So they walked on the palms with hyperextended fingers. So they're pushing their fingers out as much as possible like that, which in the end, so they walked like that, and then they got further down, they started walking on their palms. Ah, so right. that's how they became quadruped, quadrupeds, which just blows my mind. Yeah. Because to me, you kind of go, it's, it shows that stupid way that humans think about things. When you go, well, our common ancestor was on all fours, and then as we got better yeah. and sexier, we started to pull back off the ground and released our hands and, and now we walk around giving everyone the finger and, and using our iPads and, and that's at the same time. Which is the same thing you have when you think about the fact that whales and dolphins all came, had a common ancestor that was some sort of like bovine. Hippos. Like hippos. Like a, are they related, yeah. Well, they're related to hippos. Hippos and deer are all related through... Yeah. Or yeah, well, maybe I'm getting wrong there. Maybe they weren't... Yeah, maybe it was a bovine. I think I'm mixing up hippos and deer are related. Maybe whales were connected to yeah, some sort back of... To it, some sort of cow creature yeah some sort of common ancestor of that is and and you go well yeah i I understand that i've been told that but Mm. it is it's a fish right yeah it is a fish (laughs) the mother shows no sign of distress as her offspring is birthed he drops to the ground and seconds later is up on his thin, graceful legs. He is born with all of the knowledge that he needs to walk, to hunt, and to survive in this harsh wasteland environment. Encouraged by his mother, he takes his first tentative steps and seconds later, he's lolloping at full speed and he's ready to feed himself, leaving the mother 
start work on the next of her brood. This new hunter is already very effective at capturing his prey. God no! He found us! <laughs> so effective indeed is the robot death machine at pursuing the fragile humans that form the bulk of its diet that scientists are still unclear as to how the balance of nature is maintained. How the humans continue as a species when, for every one that is born, ten are eviscerated and processed, is a mystery. Welcome to Pimp My Time. In Pimp My Time, what happens is one of us is sent back in time in our special Smart Enough and a Better Time Machine. What happens is you step into the time machine, the door locks behind you, and it takes one hour for the time machine to warm up. And you have nothing but the internet to look things up. And you have to try and become a god amongst men in whatever time period you were sent to. And now Dan has to be sent to where, Dan, and when? Germany. Germany. 1920. 1920, exactly. This was a really hard one. (laughs) Some inventions that have happened, they don't require a huge knowledge of all the other science that's come before it. Like a pointy stick with a rock on it or something. But like one of them mirrors that, what's his name used to burn ships? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. mirror Mirror, or something? Yes, maybe you could do something like that. Archimedes fire. Yes, that's different again. That was a chemical being thrown, yes. Or just buoyancy, like just the eureka stuff, the buoyancy. Like that sort of stuff, it just requires a smart mind to come up with it Mm. and then it's just there. Yes, right. So if I can just steal that idea, (laughs) then it's just there. It's what we've done every other time. But this is 1920s. Germany. This isn't yeah. that long ago. No, no, no. Ninety-five Less, years ago. Yeah, not that long ago at all. Yes. And are you doomed? I am in a lot of trouble now. Right. Luckily, mm-hmm. you sent me to 1920. Yes. Not 1918. Right. Because there was a massive flu outbreak there. Right. Like the, a killer flu. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I would have just died of terror. <laughs> But this is the nice period of, of in in, uh, in well no not really it's not World War One it's not World War Two well look it's it's just after World War One that's oh, fine then it's fine yeah I'm sure Germany was fine <laughs> just after World War One well nothing happened after World War One it's all good did you give up Dan did you get flung back through time landed naked somewhere in Germany and just lay on the floor and went no I'm out I'm done no <sighs> no I, I didn't, didn't I didn't think so I've Dan. got resolve. You got res- I did discover that three years previous to that, the turnip winter had taken place. Right. How oh, that? The well turnip winter was this winter where everyone ate turnips mm. because there was not, not enough food. This is in Germany? That's, yeah, that's right. all they had. But there was a lot of grumbling that the farmers were actually keeping that stuff. <laughs> so this is 1917, during yeah. World War I. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, So, but they think that the farmers right. were actually oh. doing that. Right. Oh, hiding the turnips. Yeah. Oh, no, hiding all the Russell food. Yeah. So only, only giving the turnips out. Yeah, so I'm like, ooh, okay, so... Farmers have a little bit of power there. Okay, right. a little bit of power from the farmers. Okay, <laughs> I was like, okay, so what's going on? Well, there's 
15, 16 years until the war really kicks off. Oh, you mean World War World II? World War II. Yes. Yes. Well, you got a, well, and I'm yeah, like, not quite well, yet. look, Before, I need yeah. to get my shit together before then. You really do. But I'm not Jewish. Yes. So that's okay. But well, maybe I could make... Gypsy-ish. You look a bit, you look a bit, you look a bit Romany to me. Uh, no. Well, mate. Well, well, you're quite a I? feat. You're quite a feat. I'm quite... I, well, you know what? Oh, what I want to do is I want to, I want to evade... Being targeted in this, yeah, right. but also to make out like a bandit. Yes, so I'm like, that's the rules. Who's going to be desperate in 1936? Yes, maybe people of Jewish origin. Okay, right. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I can. You're not going to wait. Are you honestly going to make money out of the the horror and terror of people of trying to flee now Nazi Nazi Germany? This isn't about me being a moral god king. <laughs> this is about me pimping my time. I see. Okay. Right. Why did you just go kill Hitler? Well, that's a baby. That doesn't benefit me at all and he's oh. not a baby. This is only oh, yeah. 16 years oh, yeah, before World War II. He's a young man. He's a young man. He fought in World War One. He fought in World War I, oh, and, okay. uh, and he was quite prominent mm. in certain political parties, yeah. even in 1920. Right, okay, so he'd be hard so to get he to. Started, well, not, he, started, he started to make his mark there. That's okay. where he really kicked off. Mm. But that's all right, because mm. he's going to get there, he's going to get there, start persecuting all the Jewish people, yeah. and that's where I make my move. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> How do you spot someone of Jewish origin? You don't. You don't. What does Hitler want? Blonde hair, blue eyes. Yes. How can I help the Jewish people look blonde haired and blue eyed? So, you... <laughs> so <laughs> hydrogen peroxide <laughs> is manufactured almost exclusively mm. by the anthraquinion process. Right. Which was formalized in 1936 uh-huh. and painted it in 1939. <laughs> okay. There is a Ludwig Schaffen, Germany, right. called BASF-SE. It's the largest chemical producer in the world. It's still around. Mm-hmm. Hydrogen peroxide was prepared industrially by hydrolysis of the ammonium peroxidisulfate, <laughs> which was itself obtained via the electrolysis of a solution of ammonium bisulfate. Now, okay. yes. I can't even pronounce that reading it off a page. It's not going to help you much, is it? I have realised that when it comes to travelling back in time and using all the sciences mm. of today, that almost all modern chemistry is out of the picture for me. <laughs> I can kind of get my head around some physics. <laughs> yes. But that's about it. Oh, no. I could be in some real trouble. Yeah, you really could. Okay. What I did learn was that hydrogen peroxide is very dangerous. It's very dangerous. And household hydrogen peroxide is like 3% to 6% hydrogen yeah. peroxide, and the rest of it's water, yeah, which is safe. But yes. Okay. Yes. So you can drink 94% of any hydrogen peroxide and still be okay. <laughs> right. Okay. But no, my goal yes. was to help the Jewish people yes. blonde their hair up. Yes, that's right. Blonde their hair up yes. so that they could evade the horrible Nazis oh, okay. coming that's that's nice. for that's a simple well, bit of profit. Because <laughs> as I understand it, if yeah. history has taught me anything, is oh. that the Jewish people in Germany had a lot of money. Did they? Well, did they really? That's what they I mean, that's saying. what they said. That was and a, yes. look, if I can't trust the word of someone from the Socialist Party, then who can I trust, Craig? <laughs> the National Socialist Party. The National Socialist Party. Sure, sure. I, okay. I, I'm, I'm actually really terrified of what I've given you at this yeah. point. But it's like, I can't believe you didn't think that this was a bad idea. <laughs> 
I was like, oh, you're going to send me back to pre-war Germany? Well, I am really going to make a mess of this. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, so, uh, it turns out... Yes. Because oh, that's it. I'll introduce hair dye. Yes. Uh, like, earlier than it was invented. Right. And help people dye their hair blonde and get out of G- Germany. Yep. Turns out hair dye's been around a lot longer than that. Ah. Uh, it's been around in the form that, that we see it in since the beginning of the 1900s. Right. Wow. If you had any Jewish grandparents, mm-hmm. dyeing your hair or converting from Judaism really quickly mm. uh, would not save you from being classified as Jewish during the Holocaust. Ah. It turns out the Nazis were a little bit smarter than that. They, yeah. Right. They actually looked up. They have records yeah. in 1920s. Not like 2000 BC. <laughs> I guess they sort of said, oh, look, we found out your grandmother was Jewish on your mm-hmm. mother's side or something, yep. and therefore your whole line is now tainted yep. and that sort of stuff. Yep. So, yeah, they were looking pretty yep. carefully. Or sometimes they go to uh, someone's house and they go, are you Jewish? And the Jewish people would like, yes, I am, yeah. God damn it, and yeah. a proud Jew, and then yeah. all sort of badness, badness would happen. Yeah, right. So I was oh. like, oh, well, that's not going to... That's, no, that's, no. that's a nice idea. Nice idea. And I'm assuming the clock's ticking down at this point. Clock's ticking... Oh, the clock's ticking so fast. <laughs> <laughs> it took me so long to read those uh, hydrogen peroxide instructions <laughs> before I realised I couldn't understand a word of them. Okay, so... First thing to do now is move to the country, start work on a farm. Okay. Because in 1929, there's a Great Depression. Yes, yes. Which... which allowed the rural and the middle class to get a little bit more strength because, Ooh. as I mentioned before, the farmers are actually pretty cluey. Right. They've got access to the food, and, and when the Depression comes, they've got all the food to eat. Okay, that's good. That's Make good. Keeps them strong. So okay. what I do is i working on a farm. I can move up through the Nationalist Socialist Party <laughs> uh, into a position of power. <laughs> How? How would you get into a position of power, Dan? What's your plan to get there? Just be like really into it. Oh, oh just really it. into it. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Like yeah. I'm on, on the ground floor. I yeah. know to, that I'm going to commit to this yeah. from a very early time. Like right. I've got 15 years. Yeah, good point. To so, work on uh, this. And you know the right people to talk to too. Like you'd go, yeah. oh, that guy, Goebbels. What, the, the, Goebbels is like, yeah. Goebbels, yes. Yeah. Oh, hello, Mr. Goebbels. That's, that's, oh, that's how I'll, look at, I'll go to the trading card yeah. pack. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's one of the... <laughs> Mr. Himmler, I'd like to talk to you, please. Yes. Yeah. Okay, right. Okay, so I was thinking I could guide Hitler to victory. <laughs> what? What? What are you talking about? <laughs> You're guiding Hitler to victory. I landed in Germany. I want Germany to win the war. You know, that's not part of the... You don't, you don't have to. You're not German. Wait, well, hang you on. You were sent back to Germany. Yeah, but I went... But, yeah, but when I went back... Where was it? Shangri-La? No. <laughs> went to um, the, Khmer. the Khmer Empire. Yes. I wanted to help them. I assume because you couldn't get out of the Khmer Empire because it was 700 AD. You went back to... to the Wiltshire. The Wiltshire. Yes. And you want to give them the... The godly power of iron and against compost. all those, and compost against all those other No, every time we go back, uh, okay. we are messing with history. Okay. And you know what? The only reason that everyone hates the Nazis now <laughs> is because we haven't spent three generations being them. <laughs> I, I, I was like, like, I, <laughs> like I'm born in modern day Australia. Yeah. I'm not sitting here yeah. brewing the uh, Aboriginal culture that, that my ancestors displaced. That's am I? No, that's true. No one is. That's 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 actually. That very no one sad. is. That is actually that's very actually a really sad. sad thing that you mentioned there. I, I was at least hoping you were going to go. I was going to try and make the Nazis nicer, but you're not even doing that. Are you? You're like, no, no, no. I'm just going to. No, leave I'm going to gonna make them more effective. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to I'm going to warn them about radar. Right? Oh. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, what have I done? Yeah. I'm going to warn them about the breaking of the Enigma code. Oh my god. Yeah. Dad, what are you doing? 
I'm going to stop them signing off Hail Hitler at oh, the end of yes. every missive. Yes. Okay. Oh. Um, what I'm also going to encourage them to pursue the research into the very first assault rifle. Oh, my God. Which was created by the Germans for World War II and would have been perfect for the warfare in the vast lands of Russia. Yes. But they didn't really like it, and they, they put their research into other stuff. See, no, seriously, you do that gun. And what... Oh, my goodness, Dan. Dan, no! And, and also, do you know that the Germans for World War II, they invented a fighter jet? It was called the Messerschmitt Mi 262. I don't know what 262 is in German. <laughs> um, the Vi 6 Vi. Um, and you can uh, Sch- Schwalbe, uh, which it was, oh. it was invented in Germany. It was faster than any other plane and heavily armed. So am I assuming that that plane would be, they, they, we'd all be now looking back in time going, and then the, the, the Spitfires were attacked by the Me 262 Beestons. The Beestons came out of the yep, sun. Yep, yep, yep. Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, you'd be doing it in German. But yes, well, yes, for sure. <laughs> the early designs of the fighter jet were that of an interceptor, and Hitler never really wanted interceptors. The project was not prioritised. That's a good point. Hitler's air force was heavily based around protecting armies. Mm. So they that's why they weren't very good about fighting until later. Mm. Uh, yeah, okay, right, good point, okay. <gasps> so in the end, that jet had a negligible effect on the course of the war mm. as it's a result of its late introduction and consequently small numbers put into operational service. <sighs> but if they'd put their all their yeah. eggs into that basket, yeah. the Germans would have done an incredible job. There's nothing else, sure, so, that's it. So I'm thinking, we're, we're, that's it. I'll come yeah. in as Nazi Germany's top tactician. Yeah, yeah, right. Because obviously everyone who helped Hitler wasn't as good at me at, like, tactics and strategizing. <laughs> Turns out that Germany had a wealth of excellent tacticians and strategists. <laughs> oh, no. Towards the end of the war, yeah. Hitler went a bit mad right. and simply stopped listening to them. Oh, dear. Yes. But you could be there early. You could be his like, best buddy. But even then, he went mad. He, oh, okay. he, he, he just stopped listening to his tacticians and decided, look, you've lost this one battle. I'm taking over. Maybe you could have, like, offed Eva Braun and worn a wig and a nice dress. Oh, do you think he listened to her? Oh, well, he did for no, a while. He just wanted to shit on her. Yeah, and then, and then, <laughs> that's... Like, Allegedly, I heard a, I heard a, what? I heard a Tism song that he and right. Eva Braun were into the copra right. stuff. Sure, you at any rate, you can say whatever you like about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, 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 All right, so you know what? Yes, I uh, was going to have to win this war for Germany by myself. <laughs> Greg, you're putting your head in your hands. Listeners, you can't see this, but every time Dan speaks, my hands automatically go to my head. I'm holding my head in horror. Okay, Dan, please, go on. The turning battle, Operation Barbarossa. Right. The Nazis were certain that they could invade Russia and take over. Mm -hmm. They were just going to kick the door down. Bob's your uncle. Kill everyone, yeah. Now, there were a couple of good uh, strategies that were suggested, Mm -hmm. but Hitler didn't like them. He just wanted to go straight through the front door. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't stop that. The the original plan was in spring Mm -hmm. or be done by the end of summer. Right. But then they had to go and do some stuff with Italy. Uh And so it was the end of summer where they first started. They figured we'll be done in three months. Winter is coming. They weren't done in three months. Yeah, okay. That winter was disastrous. The Germans were ill-prepared for Russian winters, the freezing rain and Mm. cold. The army lost most of its young soldiers to the grip of the prolonged winter. Right. What I need to do Uh is I need to find a massive amount of winter clothing that repels water. (laughs) Yes, yes. Okay. Okay. That's all I need to do. Right. And I can save the whole whole Wehrmacht. Yeah. Yeah, right. (laughs) Bless bless your heart, Dan. Bless your heart. (laughs) I had a... For the motherland. For the fatherland. For the fatherland. Yes. 
Okay. <laughs> now, there is an amazing technology at the moment, silver nanowire coating to fabrics that reflect over 90% of a, of a person's body heat yep. back onto the person. Okay. Yeah. Can you make this? God, no. Oh, <laughs> 1920s Germany. I, I, I can't even say the stuff that goes into it. Okay. But, um, but what I do know is that waterproof and breathable fabrics, they resist liquid water passing through but allow water vapour to pass through because yeah. you don't want all your sweat to sort of pile up under there. Sure. Their ability to block out rain and snow while allowing vapour from sweat to evaporate leads to their use in rainwear, waterproof outdoor sports clothing, tents, and other applications like sweeping the world clean of the, the you know, the, well, everyone. Everyone. <laughs> everyone who's undesirable. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So the farm that I initially work on. Yes, yes. It's a sheep farm. Right. Good. Wool. Wool? Wool is waterproof. They would not have thought of this. Didn't they have wool coats? Oh, well, yes. But I convinced the farmer to stockpile wool. Oh. And I'll get some vulcanised rubber mm. and make a waterproof layer that still breathes, just like the Macintosh, right. which was in development at the time. Oh, right. Macintosh. Now, I have to do this in some secrecy, as there is clothing rationing, and I'm in <laughs> deep shit if that gets out. <laughs> and there's a question of scale. Yeah. Millions of people need mm. clothing, mm. and indeed, mm. once the battle lasted into the deep of Russian winter, great deals of clothing were sent to the troops, Yes, but arrived too late, uh-huh. and people's eyelids had frozen off, oh. and the frostbite had eaten away at their eyelids, oh. and they could no longer close their eyes. Oh, joyous. Oh. Yeah. Okay. okay. Right. Okay. So, instead <sighs> of stockpiling in secret, yes. I'm going to spend those 15 years building a cheap, effective, military-grade winter combat gear and overproducing it. Okay. Make it so easy for German troops to kit themselves out in it. So basically, make, you're going you're to you're take German money to make German clothes. Yeah. Be, better than ever before. Better than ever before. Right, okay. and make And make that the focus. Yes, yes. Okay. So nine years yeah. just building stuff. So maybe pockets of air inside it. That's a, that's a, mm, uh, yeah, a yeah. cool invention there. Like sewn in rubber boots. Okay. Yep. So the, so the right. boots and the pants are the same thing, like waiting oh, stuff. Yep, yep. So there's no way for the mud to get in and the cold and stuff. Mm-hmm. And when I'm ready... I'm going to cheaply manufacture for the German war machine. Right. Because that's where the real money is. Right. <laughs> Just ask Hugo Boss. Right. <laughs> he designed the uniforms, didn't he? He's a clever man. Yeah, yes. And a rich yeah. businessman. Yes, yes. And that's how I'm going to survive and make out like a bandit in 1920 Germany. If I sent you back in time now, there's a good chance that, hey, the world would change quite considerably. And there'd be Dan Beeston stores all up and down the high street. Beeston Fashions. Beeston Fashions. Yep, and Hollywood would look a lot different. <laughs> You're not going to tell them about D-Day? You're not going to just go, this, by the way, D-Day, don't, don't fall for that thing where they put the body in the... Don't. I could really do with your help on this one, actually, because <laughs> I did not know that. They got a body of a person, an ally soldier who's dead, and they put stuffed in fake information. They pushed him out into the ocean, and he's washed up on the shore, and they're like, oh, no! So they found the body. The Germans found the body and went, hang on, he's got these secret notes of how they, we're going to attack on the south. And there's always kind of bits of evidence planted that the fight was going to be much further down. So, so when they finally came across, it wasn't the right place. And the, the Germans weren't waiting with tanks to mow everyone down. That doesn't sound like a science-based solution. <laughs> Good point. Good point. That's brilliant. So that's, that was, you're going to make sure everyone's well, well, well shod and well dressed. I could have died. <laughs> That was a really dangerous environment that you pushed me into. Well, I think being in 17, uh, 2000 BC is pretty dangerous. Someone's no more talking, clang, clank, clank. 
I am sending you back. Beep, 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 beep. Oh, yes, wait, wait, yes. To archaic Greece, 750 BC. That's awesome. All the boys I could... Wait, no. <laughs> Dan's idea was dark and evil and, you know, and horrified and shameful. History is written by the winners, it's Craig. Very, very true, very true. Now, if you were listening to that going, no, you should have done this... Whatever that was, Dan, you've done it wrong. How, we want to know. We want to know what you would do if you were sent back to 1920s Germany uh, or any of the ones we've done in the past. Mm. What you would do. And we would like you to record it on your smartphone. There is a voice memo app of some sort on your smartphone. Please just record it, a quick message, say who you are, where you come from, and how you would survive back in time in the times that we have gone to. And we would like to play it on the podcast. We are looking for scientific solutions rather yes. than... Uh, geopolitical ones. Yeah, that's exactly right. So if you can use more science to solve the problems, show you're smarter than smart enough to know better. After you survived your trip through time and made out like bands and we're all now speaking German. Yeah. Yes, it's Sieg Heil. Now, of course, we're going to go to the Walk of Shame, which I think we all should feel right now. I think it's probably good that we're feeling we're going to go to the Walk of Shame. Um, I, I, I feel can... a, a joyful sense of playful mischief. <laughs> Do you have German background? Much like Goebbels did. <laughs> no. No, no. No German background? No. All British. Oh. British, Scottish, bit yeah. of French. There you go. Penis is from Jamaica. Ah. Gigantic. <laughs> I've got one walk of shame for you. Good. Okay. Good. Good. Last week, you tried to enlist the residents of Scarabray to build a kiln to yes. make bronze because you didn't have the, the ability to make kilns yourself. Yeah, they, yes. Did I? Oh. Did I? I said that Scarborough well, had a lot of technology. I wasn't saying that Scarborough uh, is Wiltshire. Remember that? Right. I was, in, I was nowhere near Scarborough. Scarborough is up at the top of Scotland. I and, see. And yes. But well, yes. this is from Michael Barnes. Uh, and he sits with the podcast with oh, a pen and paper. I've seen the photo. <laughs> we saw a photo of a pen and paper. This is how he restfully listens to the podcast, yes. is taking notes all the way through. Hunched over with his gnarled hand. Anyway, okay, so Michael Barnes says what? What did you say, Michael Barnes? Okay, they did make some items from copper, but the Bronze Age began in 2150 BC. Mm-hmm. But in Scarabray, it consisted of about eight clustered houses and was occupied from roughly 3,180 to mm. 2,500. Mm. So when bronze arrived in Britain, the residents would have been gone for 350 years. Fair enough. Or if he finds himself with his peeps in Scarabray, which is apparently <laughs> something you might have said, uh, you would need to show them how to make bronze. But he says, I'm sure that Greg found a video on YouTube that showed him that too. <laughs> look, I, I, I thank you very much, Michael. I said that. I don't know why I said it. I'll accept, look, I'm walking. I'm walking. I'm Excellent. Walking, I'm walking. I'm Down walking. the lovely bronze walk of shame. Works, it's lovely. It's it listens. It's beautiful. It's lovely. If you hear us say something ludicrous anywhere in the podcast please do fill us in on where we've made a mistake and if it's correct we'll read it out on the podcast <laughs> if Dan makes a mistake then you send it to me Greg yes. Wah. so Greg at smartenough.org and if Greg makes a mistake send it to Dan at mm. smartenough.org that way we can catch each other out on the podcast that makes it much more fun I got a song for you. Really? It's a bit sciencey. It's a bit sciencey. Yeah, it's a bit sciencey. Hey. It's off the brand new Bare Naked Ladies album. And I you, do love the Bare Naked Ladies. You are very excited, I can tell. Yes. Show me, thrill me with your Bare Naked Ladies.
Duct Tape Heart by the Bare Naked Ladies, a new indie band out of Toronto, Canada. <laughs> Those are, of course, the spokesmen for Canada, <laughs> the Bare Naked Ladies. I'm conflicted. Yeah. Because I like Duct Tape. Duct Tape is yep. awesome. Yep. I get the feeling that Ed Robinson's been watching a lot of Mythbusters. I, I think so. But I, why I'm conflicted is, A, he's talking Duct Tape. But on the other hand, it feels like he just went, I have to write a hit song because I need to buy another Porsche. I look around the room. Uh, I'm the man with hair and I'm sitting on a chair. And that's, that's no. Right. no, 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 no. Um, what is hey, wait. Duct tape. It's shaped round like a heart. Millions of dollars for the bare naked ladies. Well, the whole point of the song is that duct tape's very tough to tear through. Mm, so you mm. duct tape up your heart and no one's going to ever hurt you. Oh, wow. They, they sit in the bridge where they talk about what it is, the polyethylene yeah, or yeah. that thing. That's the first line off the Wikipedia entry. <laughs> they're which, just like us. Yeah, they're just like oh. us. They use Wikipedia as content. That's it. So... <laughs> Uh, I like it's very poppy. It's very yeah, very bouncy. very poppy and very bare naked ladies. Yeah, you could hear it. And there's a line in there that says "fix the fender on the rover mm. that they left on the moon." Mm. They've got a relationship with Chris Hadfield, mm, mm, mm. who you like, despite him being Canadian. He's a citizen of the world now in space. All oh, right, so he's, he's actually okay. risen above his Canadian. Right. Yeah, so he's better than that. Okay. He's better than a Canadian. He's right. an astronaut. Okay. He's not a Canadian so, astronaut. I mean, he's a Canadian astronaut, yeah. <laughs> but he's an astronaut from okay. NASA. Yeah. Okay, is that uh, how it works? Screw you, Canadians. But anyway, they played mm. that song, and it got to the bit, fix the, fix the fender on the rover on the moon, mm. and Chris Hadfield looked up, Ed, Ed Robinson went, I know the guy who fixed the fender on the rover oh. on the moon. <laughs> oh, of course he did. Uh, and that's why we love Chris Hadfield, even though he's Canadian. You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. And also Greg at smartenough.org. You can follow us on Twitter at SE2KB. And how about Facebook, SE2KB? And you can go along to iTunes and you can subscribe and you can subscribe, review subscribe, and you can rate us. That's right. Give us lots of rating. We need to know. We're being pulled ahead by lots of other science podcasts. We've been around for a while now, and we should be right there at the top. 100 episodes. We're coming up to No, wait. Almost 100 episodes. Almost 100 episodes. Six years. For five years. Yes, five years. We've just hit a milestone of some arbitrary type. Yes, we don't know what's going on. So uh, we should be much higher than that. And we're on the radio now. And that's up to you, listen. It's up to you. It's up to all of us to go in there into iTunes and to 
subscribe, definitely subscribe, and to, of course, rate us. Give us a rating. That rating will be five, of course, five, 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 five. And say why you like us. Why do you like us? Because whatever. Tell us why you like us. We'd yeah. like to know. We love to be liked. Yay! That's why we do why this. Why we do this. It's all for the love. If you are interested in anything that we've talked about in this episode, take a look at the website, smartenough.org, and take a look at the show notes for this episode. You click on stuff, and you can even comment on this episode in particular, Bam. or any episode that you find. Yay! We've got some ideas brewing oh, for our 100th episode. 100th episode. So if you're a couple of months behind, yes. then make sure you check out our Twitter account and make because <laughs> we'll be mentioning it there yes. or, or t- jump forward to the episode 99 because there's probably going to be a lot more information in that one than probably there is at this point. Once we know exactly what we're doing. Or even have the foggiest idea what <laughs> But it's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be brilliant. We're just setting it up so there's a massive wave area to fall down. But by yeah. God, it's going to yeah. be the best thing in the world. Yes. Oh, you know what else is in the show notes? What's in the show notes? This is something that's super exciting. I was trying to get clear ice a while ago, mm-hmm. and we discussed that one of our listeners, Michael Barnes, mm. has been experimenting with clear ice. Mm. He has written up this document about how to do it, <laughs> how to do it properly, and how he got to that point. With photos. With photos yep. and some jokes. That's it. And... <laughs> It's great. So definitely read it. Everyone should definitely read it. Jump on the website and take a look and figure out how to make really clear ice mm. just like you'd get in a shitty restaurant. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Thanks, Michael. As we always like to say, I wish it hadn't crashed 20 minutes into recording the episode. Hey, listeners, play a game where you could figure out where we're talking about something we've already talked about and where we're talking about something new. We always say this every time. <laughs> Shush. Dan thinks I'm a midget. You're a small man. I'm an average-sized man, thank you very much. You're huge. In a giant world. You're just, you know, in the in the old measurements, five foot nine is actually considered male average. People think you have to be six foot. No, that's just giant men, Dan. Giant men. I think you'll find it's five foot eleven is the average. Is it? Afraid so, shorty. Oh man, but everyone's shorter than me. Most of the world is shorter than me. Yeah. When I walk, when Suckers. I when I when I walk down the street, in, in like yeah, in but the, they don't count. I look over the top of their heads. I can see. Like I was, I don't feel short. Shut up, Dan. But you're in your mech suit at the That's time. That's true. Crushing me. <laughs> Kneel before me. I like the kryptonite on your knees. <laughs> I like the way that you say please and you got lasers at your eyes. You're my favorite damn lady. I didn't think you'd make a terrible song even worse, but you did it. You did it, Dan. I like the way you wear your S, yeah. <laughs> you got that hope there on your chest. Yeah. <laughs> Ew. Don't read it. Don't read it, listeners. No one's listening to this. That's fine. Yeah. Don't put all that in. I wasn't even listening the first time. (laughs) We're going to name the hurricane Zachariah again. (laughs) That's very good. Anyone who read books in high school? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very good. Did you read in high school? Not a lot of people do anymore. No, 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 not particularly. Unless it's on Yik Yak. Oh, yeah. Look at you and your modern day stuff. Yeah. All right. Introduce me to Yik Yak.
She said, I'm not allowed to whinge on Facebook and Twitter anymore because it reflects poorly on me as mm. a professional. But I can complain to the star- to cows come home on Yik Yak. No one knows who I am. <laughs> so now so now I go to Yik Yak and I pick her house and, I, and, and her surrounding area and I try to figure out which ones are hers. I still haven't figured out any yet. I'm like, oh, that one's about study. That's not hers. <laughs> Honestly, I have no idea. I uh, yes, you do. This is the second time I recorded it. <laughs> Very good. Composting in Wiltshire, England, rubbish. Composting is rubbish. Uh... <laughs> that felt like a long time. Uh, it is a long time. Mm. It's now it's nine, o'clock. nine o'clock. Wow. Do you want to record sketches? No. No, no it's fine. No, I don't want to do nothing. That's okay. That's all right. That's okay. Shh.